Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for everything that matters. Not just commentate, not just thumb suck, not just grift and make money, but to actually demand results on the issues that matter in the way that matter. And I'm importantly at the time they actually matter because everyone is always for the right thing when it doesn't matter but then when it does matter and often even years later we still are behind the eight ball ukraine and the vaccine genocide i mean you can't get two bigger issues than that two bigger frauds tying into an agenda to not just bankrupt us on spending but to make us beholden to this global governance reduce us to nothing but a bunch of uh organisms, not sentient beings even, and yet the policies do not change, not one iota. So we're going to get into that today. We haven't talked about this in a while, but the latest data and information that not just that we know, but that we know the government and Pfizer, European Medicines Agency, FDA, CDC, they all knew from day one related to pregnancy and everything And to this day, yes, the mandates of the current iteration of fascism are going to completely end May 11th, but everyone wants to walk away from this. They are still recommending them for pregnant women. So any pregnant woman, you know, maybe you won't go out and get the shot on your own, but a pregnant woman will go get it because, well, I I have a new thing now. I have a a fetus, so I got to take care of it, right? That's what they're all telling them. And then obviously the RSV and flu shots and everything else coming down the pipeline, not to mention the surveillance state that they're building. And this should be the top investigative issue for Congress, for state AGs, but it's not. Kudos to Ken Paxton for launching investigation. Uh, this is what needs to happen in the current day, coming days. Um, Florida is going to be quiet for a few months because they're in a grand jury and it's, there's a gag rule. So so if they're finding earth-shattering th- things, you wouldn't even know about it. Um, I don't know when the exact date when it will lift, um, if it's 12 months from the time they announced it or whatever. So there is going to be a blackout there, but that shouldn't stop um, Attorney General Moody from doing a parallel investigation, not through a grand jury like Ken Paxton's doing, and every other red state as well. So that's action item number one. Action item number two is our sponsor, Birch Gold. Um, As they continue to spend billions of dollars in the biomedical security state on Ukraine, on illegal aliens and everything else, um, the feds are likely in a couple hours going to increase the interest rates by another 25 points. And that is not going to stem the tide of inflation because there's too many enduring factors. It's too little for that, but too but enough to destroy the economy. Now is the time to hedge against that with gold. Um, why do I recommend Birch? A, they've been around forever. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Very strong, solid economist there. But also, they specialize in converting your IRA or 401k. So right now, if you plan to give... Uh, you could you could donate sixty five hundred for yourself plus your spouse another sixty five hundred um, or more if you're over fifty five into an IRA tax free, but rather than putting in the stock market, put it in something of value by texting Daniel to nine eight nine eight nine eight today to ensure that you are not caught in the stock market casino. So. Folks, first, real quick, let's just get this off the table, Ukraine, before we get back to the vaccines. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, and I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to really, you know, unite behind the debt ceiling bill and whatever. But even then, still McCarthy, even at his strongest, 
He's in Israel, and responding to a question from a Russian reporter, he affirms that he solidly, squarely is behind aid for Ukraine. Um, McConnell emphasized, again, Republicans are the party of American strength and equipping Ukraine as a direct investment in America's own national security. He criticized Biden for being slow in aid. Every day they're announcing hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's not enough. That's the GOP, both the House and Senate leaders. This is 14 months into the grift after everything we know. Now, now, folks, forget, even if you don't know that this is part of disrupting the supply chains with the embargo and creating inflation, uh, as we all know, they used it to push to turbocharge their green agenda, just like they used COVID to turbocharge vaccines. Obviously, all the money laundering, the bio labs, who knows what else they're doing. But I don't expect Republicans to ever understand that. But just in a, mo- in a, in a more traditional kinetic understanding of war. What are you trying to accomplish 14 months later? You're, 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 it's very clear that there's a stalemate in the sense that Russia, if they ever were going to do this, which I don't think they were, we're going to take over all Ukraine. They don't have the ability to do that. But on the other hand, what are you fighting for? You're fighting for Ukraine to keep the Russian-controlled areas? They're never going to succeed in that. But meanwhile, Ukraine's defense minister, Reznikov, says we will take Crimea without a fight. I mean, really? That's what we're fighting for? It's just there's no understanding of it. This is the point. Because we don't have a movement focused on specific principles, policies, outcomes, objectives, strategies, they're all just kind of like commentating, making money, We don't have an organized movement demanding of the GOP specific outcomes. This is how even the House Republicans, much less the Senate ones, are still on board with this. Like nothing has changed. And by the way, if Trump is so close with McCarthy, he saved his hide. And Trump is allegedly so good on Ukraine... Why doesn't he call him up and demand action? This is the point that we've seen throughout Trump's presidency. Like, Trump would once in a while give a speech that we would agree with, but then the policies of McCarthy and Ryan back then and McConnell would continue in the opposite direction, and then his administration, embodied by people like Tillerson or Kushner, uh, Christopher Wray, Mnuchin, they would continue, they would work with McCarthy and McConnell to push the same things like, wait, hey, buddy, if you say you believe in this, exert your influence. You sure throw your weight around when it comes to blocking our guys from removing them. So now that you own them, own their policies. But of course, it's not about policy. And that, of course, brings us to the vaccines. A lot of people have noted, wow, COVID's over. It's oh, even Biden is ending it ending the international travel vaccine mandate, the mandate on government workers, contractors. I'm assuming the CMS mandate ends. I could be wrong, but I'm assuming that ends. So let's just say all the mandates end. But we still have imbued in society that the COVID vaccines are amazing. You might say, well, if there's no mandate, what do you care? Well, there's no mandate to get an abortion, so what do you care? It's a pro-life issue. And while most people aren't going to get new ones, like I said, there's two ways they're going to get us. Number one, pregnant women. If you say a woman, hey, you get a COVID shot. Why? COVID's over with. You get pregnant, that's a different story. You still have private OBG mandates. And certainly no enlightened consent, they pressure the hell out of them. How could that happen? Obviously, you have the fact that they're going to make them annual shots. They're going to mix them with the flu shot. And then you have, of course, the RSV shots. All under the same structure, often the same platform, mRNA. Some aren't mRNA. But now that we've learned that they lied about every stage of the development of the trials, of the efficacy, of the rationale, and the safety, to this day, you could take something that is poisonous to pregnant women and they'll say, you must get it. 
We're just going to allow this to continue. After we know that Fauci himself admitted that respiratory viral vaccines are not ready for prime time. They have a whole slew of them coming out within a year. And we're just going to close up shop. Where are the congressional investigations? It, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Albert Borla said in a Tuesday call about quarter one earnings. So Pfizer earned $18.28 billion of revenue in the first quarter of this year. 40% of it came from Paxlovid and the shots. Now that's going down, but he said they'll, they'll basically juice up their revenue again with their flu and RSV shots. And then combo shots, which will include COVID in it. There is nothing right now stopping that approval. And indeed, the FDA advisory committee already approved GSK and Pfizer's RSV shot for seniors, despite admitting it causes problems and there's no rationale for it. Even the few people that get seriously ill from COVID, it's in the first year of life, not seniors. They're partially immune to it already, at least from critical illness. Um, you've heard of seniors maybe getting pneumonia and the flu, but RSV is, I mean, that's, that's just not, there's no rationale for it. And again, for political candidates that don't want to militate against the premise of all vaccination, it's very easy to go out and say, look, you did it for polio and smallpox. What is the rationale for taking every respiratory flu cold-like thing What's the, what's the rationale for doing this after we see all this inflammation? So in other words, we're at the stage where you don't have to rely on third-party stuff. You could rely on Pfizer and Moderna's own clinical trial data, which is fraudulent, and you could see a negative cost-benefit analysis, negative risk versus return matrix. And then in addition, we have all the Pfizer and FDA and yeah, and European Medicine Agency's documents with all these adverse events. But they're not just in isolation. If you understand the pathophysiology of the way these things work, particularly with the autoimmune, this is going to be a problem going forward. How is it that you could take a bunch of different respiratory viral viruses, put a vaccine for each one of them in the body, they're constantly evolving, Anthony Fauci, four months ago, wrote a paper in Cell, along with the current replacement he has at, at NIAID, admitting to an antigenic drift. So the more you, I mean, that's original antigenic sin. The more you vaccinate for things, the more you have misfiring, it keeps evolving around it. They openly admit this is a problem, yet they openly commit, yeah, this is going to kill you. So therefore, we're approving it. So even if there's no more mandates, which is always going to be a threat, especially in schools, but you don't have enlightened consent. Imagine if they convinced three quarters of the country tomorrow that it's not just ethical to get an abortion if you want it, but it's actually good for you and somehow good for the baby. That's what they're doing. You're not pro-life if you're not discussing this. It's unbelievable. Well, folks, also, you're not pro-gun if you don't clean your guns. That's, that's the reality. Um, I just actually let my, uh, my oldest son clean uh, my H&K VP9 for the first time with Barrel Buddy. Unlike the other snake bores that don't work or these dirty um, little patches that, that you can't jam them through good enough. It, it, it spreads the carbon back on it. And, uh, of course, they, they often shed if they're not good quality. Barrel Buddy has an ingenious technology squaring or jamming a round peg into a round hole. It's a cartridge with a tight fit. You jam it in there. You get 360-degree compression, so it cleans it in one shot, but also it uh, lubes it. So you get the cleaning solvent, and then you put another Barrel Buddy in to lube it. Um, and uh, you're good good to go. $14.99 for 50 of these cartridges in one barrel buddy uh, packet. You got to make sure you get the right, obviously, caliber. If it's 9 mil, if it's, uh, um, you know, 40 cal, 357 magnum, they have them all there. Barrelbuddy.com. Support 
true patriots, Eric, Paul, and Jim. They've been doing this for 10 years, and I can't believe I never heard of it. This is the best way to clean your guns, again, at BarrelBuddy.com. So just before we bring on our next guest um, to delve a little bit deeper into the data, I just want to talk about um, Moderna's data on their RSV mRNA shot is out. And uh, kudos to Alex Berenson for finding it. I had trouble finding where their data was. They hit it, and he found it. I disagree with him on some things, but but kudos to him for having a, a sharp eye on this. And they say it's 83.7% effective, yada, yada. Now, by the way, here's the deal. We already know Fauci admitted it can't be effective. It doesn't stop transmission. So we already know that's a lie. We already know it's a lie. And then there's no evidence it ameliorates the symptoms because, again, people over 60 don't get significantly ill from RSV. So it's going to be very hard to, to show an endpoint. But let's just trust that for a minute. They claim that... There were 46 fewer cases of RSV in the trial group versus the placebo group. But they also admit that there were 10,156 more side effects, including 455 rated grade 3 or higher in the trial group. So what that means is that for every RSV infection prevented, which is a lie, but let's just trust their own data, when... It's, it's nothing but a cold for most people. It caused 200 total side effects, including 10 severe side effects per everyone. I mean, this is right in their chart. Okay, it's like a 10-page, uh, you know, PowerPoint slide. I'll have a link to it in a column today. Berenson has a link to it in his piece. This is just unreal. Through the front door. 47.7% experienced within seven days some sort of systemic reaction. So that's aside from the pain at the injection site. So again, right off the bat, these are the symptoms that the virus causes. But again, the virus is natural in the sense that, well, actually, it was created in a lab in the 1950s. But in the sense that it, it has to run through your immune defenses. The vaccine evades your immune defenses. This is an mRNA. goes throughout your body. You have the, you have, you have the peg. Also, it's made of, 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 of peg, which evades your immune system. People have a lot of allergic reactions. It creates inflammation, creates allergies, creates autoimmune. So if you know it's doing that short-term, what the hell do you think it does long-term? They literally are taking every virus, every cold, every respiratory cold, upper respiratory infection known to man, which is the worst candidate for vaccines, and they're creating a vaccine imminently for them. They're going to put it in everyone. What the hell do you think that's going to cause? Forgetting any concern of blood clotting and heart and the organs and neurological, putting that aside. But just, just, just the autoimmune alone how any doctor could not flag that. All right, you have once in a while, you have, you have something that you really feel is unique, smallpox, um, um, uh, polio, and I'm not even admitting that, that everything we're told on that is true. I'm just you know, conceding that point for a minute. But the notion that you're going to have an endless list and then create new viruses through the gain of function in pursuit of the vaccines in order to create the vaccines that act like pathogens except evade your immune system, this is insane. This is worse than abortion. Again, even, even if there's no mandates, if every layer of government says you're going to die from RSV, kids are going to die, seniors are going to die, you better get it. Seniors are terrified of this. Even if it's something they lived with their whole life, but they never heard of it, that's the point. What's RSV? What's respiratory syncytial virus? Never heard of that. They'll treat it like COVID. So even short of a mandate, this is a pro-life issue. So that's the thing. They're ending the COVID mandates because people are long done with that so that they can grease the skids. Annual COVID shots, RSV, flu mRNAs, and then combo them together. And by the way, it's not like you incur this once in a lifetime. They're not even, they've dropped the veneer of like, 
oh, you know, this, you get your protection. They're openly saying with this, this is going to be an, at least an annual shot. All these are annual. So you have to reincur that every year. That's the brilliance. They're going from pandemic to endemic. Everyone's like, oh, ha, it's over with. No one's getting the shot. Yeah, because no one views this as a pandemic. But if you give it under the guise and the mindset of, oh, no, no, this is like your annual shot, and they've groomed a generation of people into accepting that with the flu. So, yeah, yeah, you know, every season you get the flu, you get coronaviruses, and you get RSV. Here's, here's, here's your chance. After everything we know about what these things cause, still there is no effort on the part of states and the feds to grab this bull by the horn. Again, this doesn't even require going after the legacy vaccines, which are likely still popular. But these are not popular. But once they're embedded, you're done. So we're not going to let this issue go. And that's why I wanted to spend at least one day of the week, you know, we have a lot going on, discussing some of the latest data here. But first, our final sponsor, FastGrowingTrees.com. It's not too late. You know, that first month of the spring, April, you start watching your neighbor's lawn and you think, man, I wish my lawn could look like that. Um, it's a pain to get shrubs. It's hard transporting them. You often don't know um, if they'll even last. They're not guaranteed. You don't know what to pick out. Fastgrowingtrees.com. They have plant experts that curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, and tree varieties for your unique climate. My uh, key lime bush is doing great as well as my chocolate chip ajuga ground cover. Um, I love I love the quality. It's all good quality. Like typically when I got stuff from Lowe's, it was, you know, kind of a 50-50 survival rate. Here they they guarantee it. Um they have a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. So if you you like, eh, I don't like the way it looks, send it back. It comes very quick. Um, it's all clean. You don't have to transport it for you. Join over 1.5 million happy fast growing trees customers by going to fastgrowingtrees.com/conservative now to get 15% off your entire order again 15% off your entire order with fastgrowingtrees.com so folks for the last number of months i've obviously shifted away from kind of everyday talking about the latest science and data on the vaccine stuff um, and moving more towards, A, other things, but also policy. Because what I found is that no matter what we report, the policies don't seem to change. I mean, you could have a report tomorrow that comes out and says, I don't know, 50% of people who take the shot will die within 10 years. Let's just say it won't make a dent. It's just so bizarre. But nonetheless, it's important that we review what we know about this, but not just what we know about it, because we know a lot of things. The life insurance data, the disability data, the medical billing data, the epidemiological data we have, all the things we have and in, in the thousands of case studies, academic studies covering every organ of the body, every organ system of the body, mixing together with theirs and visa, we have it all. But the important thing to recognize is that we have a wealth of material from Pfizer and the government agencies themselves that demonstrate what they know now, what they knew on a lot of things from day one before most people or even anyone had the, these shots, and that these things should form the foundation of congressional inquiries, of state attorney general inquiries, gubernatorial and you know state legislatures looking into this, because you don't even have to trust some sort of third party. This is the government or manufacturer's own data, own pharmacovigilance programs. It's right there in plain sight, but obviously you have to comb through it. Now, someone who has been doing a spectacular job of this, we've had her on before, and I want to highlight her work. Sonia Elijah, she's an independent investigative journalist in the UK, um, has been writing terrific columns for, for the last couple of years at Trial Site News that is a subscription uh, website, but she's has some of her articles at the Children, Children Health Defense Fund. But you could find all her columns at Sonia Elijah Investigates Substack. Very important. She's also on Twitter at Sonia, that's S-O-N-I-A underscore Elijah. 
Hey, Sonia, it's been way too long. Too much information to share. Thanks so much for joining us today at Blaze Media. Oh, thank you, Daniel, so much for having me back on. So obviously, you know, my audience is familiar uh, a lot with some of the Pfizer documents, with things we know from the FDA and CDC. But you've been combing through European documents that evidently the European Union has these periodic safety update reports, so post-marketing pharmacovigilance, where they're actually aware of what is going on. You've written several heavy-duty pieces on them. Now, your your work is is very you know painstaking in detail, so maybe you can give over a synopsis of kind of the top data points that are earth-shattering for people to take away with. I know it's a lot here. We'll give you a lot of time. Let's start with that first PSUR uh, report. First, explain the significance of this document and then go into some of the key points that, that the European governments themselves know about. Yes, absolutely. So the document that I analyzed um, a few months ago was um, the EU's first periodic safety update report, and it covered the first six months of 2021. And just to mention, this report was not just publicly released, it was released by FOIA request. So a medical expert from Europe had to, you know, uh, do a FOIA request, and then they released it. And they didn't even release the report in its entirety, Daniel. All the important appendices they have withheld. So this is just their, it's like their, um, it's just under 300 pages long, their summary report. And um, it is really damning. I mean, this is what the regulators like the European Medicines Agency knew um, from um, the summer of 2021. Uh, and it is, it's just, it's really alarming. And I'm going to give a quick overview of these data points. So we have over 5,000 deaths that occurred in those six months. And I just want to also mention that the median value of the, the fatal outcome onset was one day, one day after um, the, uh, the vaccine was administered. And just to clarify, this is for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. Uh, this is what the report is so, based on. So this does not cover, so to be clear, it, it's pre-booster, doesn't cover in the booster periods because the yeah. first six months, it does yeah. not cover AstraZeneca or Moderna. It's no. just Pfizer. And, this is and as Pfizer. you mentioned, the median time is one day, and we now know we have a plethora of data and studies showing so much long-term damage. So a lot of that's not going to be recorded in this because it wasn't obvious to be reported. So these are the, you know, straight yep. up dead obvious cases. Yes. 5,115 yes. deaths they knew about. What else? So we have over 300,000 cases and cases are representative of individuals. So one case equals one individual. So we have over 300,000 individuals and uh, and then for each of these cases of an individual on average they were suffering from 3 to 4 adverse events. So the total number of adverse events for that 300,000 individuals is over a million adverse events. So uh, three times more cases were reported for women than men, which was a similar uh, theme or pattern that I found when I analyzed Pfizer's uh, uh, first safety review, Pfizer's cu the cumulative analysis adverse event. I might have spoken to you about that last time. Pfizer and, uh, and many other surveys and studies seem the Israeli health ministry Saudi survey, they seem to jive with that same yes. theme that women seem to get hit uh, yeah. a lot more often. Um, that's an important point as we it venture is. into pregnancy as well, that they knew that women had this. I think it's also important, as you're saying, the multitude of diversity of AE. So, you know, often you'll have a drug that's very much accepted and viewed as safe, but there's just kind of one known thing uh, causes diarrhea for a day. So people accept that. But when you're, uh, uh, you know, into pharmacovigilance and you're seeing this uncontrolled, unlimited yeah. realm and scope of diversity of types yeah. of A's, right? Is that, that's what we're seeing. Yes. 
Yes, no, well done, Daniel, for highlighting that. It's really affecting almost every organ of the body. I mean, all these, uh, the range it's so extensive, uh, which I can I can go into a bit later. I just want to give a top overview. So the age group most affected, you would expect it would be maybe elderly, but no, it's the 31 to 50 year age group. Mm. Those were the most affected. A third of all the cases, so a third of those 300,000 cases were classified as serious. And Whoa. for a case, yeah, serious. Not, not. Um, oh, they just recovered after a few days. So this, a serious case, can also include, you know, hospitalization. Um, uh, uh, you know, sort of. It, it, it's this is this is their own report. So classified as serious. Um, and also, what I found really astounding is that eighty-four percent of all these cases, they had no history of comorbidities. That means they had no other underlying health issues, Daniel. So these were healthy people, but they were they they their adverse events. You know that I mean, the, they because a lot of the time they will always say, oh, it's because they had an underlying issue, or he had a heart attack because you know that he had cardiovascular problems. But eighty four percent of cases had no history of comorbidities, and. Another thing that was very alarming is that just under half of all cases, the outcomes were either unknown or unresolved. So they Isn't had that no desire to follow up on yeah. them. And indeed, 23%, I'm reading from your, your uh, report, 23% did not recover. So yeah. I, I, I don't know if you have a number that you, I, I, I think there is an industry standard that when you look at AEs, so there's the number of AEs, which is alarming, but then there's also, if you take the percentage of AEs that are deemed serious, permanent, unrecoverable, it's yeah. supposed to be maybe in the single digits. When, when, when you have, I, I forget the number, but a third of the realm of AEs being serious. Yes. That's, that's just unprecedented for anything that's accepted on the market, much less promoted, funded, marketed, distributed, indemnified, and then eventually mandated. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just the the document is really shocking. And also just to um, include here, we've got to mention this. As you are aware, we have to factor in the magnitude of underreporting of these surveillance systems. Right. Because, as you know, there was the Harvard study done um, and that uh, I think around between 2007 and 2010, yep. they did a study and only one to 13% of serious adverse events are ever reported. So this is like a drop in the ocean. Yeah. So there's and, the data. And, and, and I'm, sure, I'm sure you're aware of that uh, CDC's vSafe program where they directly communicated with people who, who uh, claimed uh, to have an adverse event and they were supposed to even tell them to file a VAERS report. Interestingly enough, um, people at Open VAERS, I think, were the first to discover this. If you look at the numerator and denominator, only one out of 25 of those who, who reported through VSAFE and AE also filed a VAERS report. So if anything, those people would be a little bit more inclined or possibly instructed to uh, file VAERS report, but it was an underreporting factor of 25, which is in line with what you just said. So this yeah. is enormous. Could I ask... This is the first six months, but now yes. we have, we're, I don't know, we're, what, what, what are we, uh, like 28 months into this. Yeah. Is there any way to get subsequent data? So I am currently analyzing PSUR number three, and that covers the first six months of 2022. So I am the process of, of analyzing and re reviewing that document. And that is, oh my goodness, that's a really dense document. Um, 400 pages and it's 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 just really alarming and I, I'll, I'll talk briefly a little bit about that too um, but I just wanted to mention the fatal outcomes just under half for so 46% of fatal outcome cases occurred in those and this is again with no comorbidities and what is really alarming here Daniel is that it affected the younger age groups so they had that th these are the fatal outcome cases 
of younger age groups did not have comorbidities. It only when they became um, when you looked at the older age groups, did you see that the, um, the, 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 the percentage of comorbidity, having a comorbidities that wasn't, you know, was included. But for the younger age groups, these were perfectly healthy individuals. So I think that is a huge, huge red flag there. Um, of course, I mean, all, just, to, just to add this caveat, with all of these signals, you have the conclusion time and time again that the benefit risk profile of BNT162B2 remains favorable. I mean, that is that's that's spread throughout throughout this document. And it's and just for all it's age just, groups, all circumstances. Um, yeah. as far as the age, is he do you have any evidence? And yeah, we've been trying to debate this a little bit, that it tends to affect younger people more, or it's just that in younger people, the occurrence of death and serious AEs is more jarring, so it's more reported, whereas with people with comorbidities, like, well, yeah, they died because they had a heart condition. Well, I know looking at the data, I mean, it is alarming that young people, young people are affected, right? People that were perfectly healthy, and that that is that is that is really that's a signal that's going off there. But the the age group that was mainly effective was the 31 to 50 year age group, which is the same when I'm looking at PSUR three, the third, the, the 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 latest one I'm looking at. So that's a pattern that's running through. I'm just going to quickly go through menstrual disorders because this is a really big thing, and what is shocking is the way they brushed it over. So you have. You have the EMA sort of asking, you know, for the next PS, the upcoming PSUR, you've got to, you know, uh, it's important. Uh, we need to investigate, uh, you know, this, this, the, the reports of menstrual disorders coming through. Remember, this is this is early 2021 because it might be a matter of concern for young women. And then the all the important information on menstrual disorders is in Appendix 6B.6, which of course they failed to release that. So I have no idea of, I've no way of, of looking through that data. But the conclusion of this sort of section to do with menstrual disorders, they write in such a patronizing, highly dismissive tone that these are likely to, this is to do with menstrual disorders, these are likely to be associated with psychological distress <laughs> and stress related to the pandemic uh, weight wow, gain, wow. longer working hours and dietary changes. So they literally have just, I mean, it, that is, that's gaslighting, isn't it? That's, that's just unreal. If you, again, you think about the modus operandi, um, typically pursuant to the Nuremberg code in trying out new drugs where it's always guilty until proven innocent. When you start seeing all these things and, and, and again, simultaneously, let's not forget, they knew about, the um the rat study you know the 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 yes. What, yes. what is it the charles yes. river um, yes. company that yes. did for pfizer they knew about the safety signals there with the lab rats um, and it went and, to the and, um ovaries yeah the lip and nanoparticles, and the nanoparticles with the yes. biodistribution they knew yes. about that and they yes. saw the menstrual all over the place from the beginning of in the in the trials they saw it in, yes. in, in theirs and in the emu pharmacovigilance all over the place and the assumption was it's not that, but they speculate on some unverifiable thing that yeah. just doesn't make any sense anyway, because if anything, people work less. Yes. Um, and and it's just, and I can't believe it. Yeah. And there was a systematic review done in the summer of 2022. Uh, it was published in the Journal of Vacunas, and it, it they had 78,000 vaccinated females and over half experienced menstrual abnormalities after their COVID-19 vaccine. So this is document, this is a systematic review. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's really, um, it's really alarming. I'm going to move on to, um, I can talk about pregnancy outcomes, obviously deaths. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but I know our time is limited. So with the pregnancy outcomes, um, when I was looking at the, this is to do with the clinical trial data. And this is, again, the reporting period is the first six months of 2021. We have 26 reported pregnancy outcomes in that period. And out of that 26, 15 suffered from spontaneous abortion. 
So that's a, a miscarriage. And then there were five live births with congenital abnormalities. So we know 20 out of the 26 pregnancy outcomes had a negative outcome. I now, mean, now what is this 26 universe? Where does that come from? What do you mean universe? Meaning, meaning where is this 26? It, it's out of what? So we're saying you know, 20 this out of 26 is, had problems. But what so, are the 26? So this, this is the 26 pregnancy cases from the clinical trial data, right? So this is talking about the clinical trial data um, and because that's also included. It's not just post-authorization data, by the way, Daniel. This PSURs include the clinical trial data. Mm. Because the, the World Health Organization requested that the marketing authorization holder, which in this case is BioNTech, needed to look at the outcome of the pregnancy cases observed in the clinical trial data. So in that first tw six months of 2021, they, they recorded 26, they, they had 26 pregnancy outcomes that were known. OK, so th this that's the data I'm talking about. So out of those 26 known outcomes, we've got 15 spontaneous. Those were 15 spon spontaneous abortions, which is a miscarriage and the five live births with congenital abnormalities. And it, it, it's really interesting because they add always add. There's, when they talk about these mother cases, they say, well, there's limited information regarding the mother's obstetric history, which precluded me meaningful causality assessment. We have, you know, we have that going on. And, and, and that ties nicely with, with what I found. Now, I wanted to also mention this, this wasn't published in my report, but it will go into my next one. Even in PSUR1, which I've been talking about, what is so alarming, Daniel, is that we have cases of babies. This is now in the post-marketing data. Two cases of strokes in babies indirectly exposed to the vaccine via the transmammary route, which means, i.e., the breast milk. And Who, it Whose is, language is that? That's the EMA's language? Yes. Yeah, transmammary route. So this is so obviously BioNTech has prepared this report, right? They are the marketing authorization holder, and the EMA has assessed it and added their remarks and their conclusions. So, so, so when like we that. talk about trans transmitting through the mother's milk, this is yeah. not you or me saying this, or Dr. Yeah. Peter McCullough saying this, or Dr. Ryan this Cole is, saying this. This yeah. is. Yeah. The, EM, the, the EMA regulators together with BioNTech. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. And uh, there were three further cases of babies suffering neurological AEs, adverse events, and um, again, via the ex indirectly exposed via the transmammary route. But get this, they write, it's determined these cases were not included to be in the discussion because they were determined to be non-contributory, so so they're not going to be included in the discussion since these ba since the babies were indirectly indirectly exposed as opposed to directly exposed. Isn't that just insane? So they literally took you know they're not going to discuss these cases, but this is a huge red flag because we know there was a study done by Hannah et al. Right. And they found that just after one hour after vaccination, there were traces of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine in breast milk. They mm. found that, the researchers. But back then, or obviously still, I mean, still as, as still today, we know they say, oh, it just stays, you know, it stays near the arm. You know, it, it doesn't pass, doesn't go through, you know. I mean, and then I have cases of transplacentally babies being exposed and they use these terms. And, and this leads me on to my recent report when I looked, because as you know, for, uh, the FDA had to release in a, in a timely schedule all the Pfizer documents that they relied on to grant the EUA back yep. in December yep. 2020. As you know, I've been going through and combing through those documents from end of 2021. 
I just happen to like think, you know, let me just check what's come through. This is just April. So this is a very, very new document that was just released. It was written two years ago. It was signed off April 2021. And this is Pfizer's own uh, this is prepared for the FDA, Pfizer's own pregnancy and lactation review. And the data for that, that includes all the time from drug development through to end of February 2021. Wait, wait. So, so I want to just jive this. So you first talked about the EMA document, yeah. um, again, this periodic safety update report, um, but it had the clinical trial data, which was yeah. a universe of 26 observed pregnancies, yeah. where 15 of them were miscarriages, another five kids born yeah. with congenital uh, uh, malformations. Yes. So that's 20 out of 26 prima facie problematic there. Huge, huge, huge red flag beyond belief. So now you're saying that's EM, EMU document the, yeah. or EMA document. This is yeah. Pfizer's document released in the United States through the Texas yep. federal court ruling from ICANN, and that was a much bigger universe. So this is just so this is just and I, I, I just happened to stumble upon this document. This was literally like 22nd of April. I, I looked at it and, and I, I, I it, it's it's mind blowing because it's there. So they recorded 600, 673 cases uh, and. 458 of those involved the uh, so vaccine exposure during pregnancy and then 215 cases to do with exposure during breastfeeding and i can just talk a little bit about that so you have of the of the 458 pregnancy cases more than half of those reported adverse events and uh, for example spontaneous Wait, adverse events in the mother or the baby this is the mother. This is the mother, the pregnancy cases. So you have, uh, but they also include, it, it's it's very, it's, it's, they write it in a very unclear way. So it's really hard to sort of figure out, oh, this is exactly, you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's very ambiguous the way they write things, but it's pregnancy cases, but they include spontaneous abortion, 53 reports of spontaneous abortion. They then talk about six cases with the babies and they literally use the term that the, 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 the babies were exposed to the vaccine transplacentally and it led to premature delivery. So if you look at those six cases, and again, this is the data right up to the end of February 2021. This is before they were promoting it to pregnant women. This is before they were promoting it to lactating women. Um, you have a case of a fetus experiencing fetal tachycardia. So that's over 160 beats per minute. One week after the mother received the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. The baby was delivered at 35 weeks. Clinical outcome is unknown of the fetal tachycardia and obviously over the fetus as well, just as clinical outcome unknown. Then we have another case where actually two cases where the, the again, they use the term, the fetus received BNT162B2 transplacentally, experienced, the mother experienced premature labia. This is for two cases. Uh, the infants were born, but they died. Uh, and, and it's just, it's really horrific. And then we have the lactating cases, the lactation cases. These are infants. So these are adverse events of the infants. A fifth of the 215 cases reported A AEs. This is to do again with the breastfeeding cases. And this is some examples of the adverse events of the infants, the nursing infants, facial paralysis, lymphadenopathy and blurred vision. So this is of the, the you know, the babies getting it through the breast milk and having adverse events. Yeah. So serious. And, and this blurred has- Blurred vision is important. A couple of things there that um, typically your immune system doesn't get into the eye wall. I mean, it is so hard to get in there, but we, we already have a study or maybe even two studies on, um, you know, cornea transplant rejections and sometimes years after they had the transplant suddenly their body rejects it it gets it up there i mean dr urso here he's a you know he's an eye specialist is one of his specialties okay. he talked a lot about that you you talked about obviously yeah the the neuropathy 
um, which was very common. Also, the heart rhythm. To me, that was a huge deal because we, we now know they admit it transmits from uh, potentially from the mother to the placenta, uh, through through pregnancy, through the mother's milk, um, you know, breastfeeding, but among you know regular you know adults getting the shot or, or you know non-pregnant people getting the shot, it's a numerous surveys have honed in on about eight to thirteen percent from what I could see, depending on the mm. survey, um, self-report as experiencing irregular some form of irregular heartbeat. There was a very common yeah. um, side effect. So yes. when you start seeing that in the baby, it really yes. starts to jive. And what I, I found, I remember you you put this out. What is so, so sh- shocking is July 28th, 2021, in the fi- Pfizer files, they say it is not known if material vaccination with BNT, yada, yada, would have unexpected, unexpected negative consequences to embryo or fetus. So they're saying it's not known. Yes. Uh, in July 28th, months after they observed all this, um, right. and yet CDC recommended already in April 2021 the shot, and then a couple weeks later in August, they gave full approval to Comirnaty based off of that. It is just, it, yes. it's not just like one or two layers beyond what we typically tolerate because of the pandemic or whatever. It's upside down, inside out. And, and and I think folks, I just I just want to, you know, sum this up. We we have you know kind of four data points you have there. The 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 macro data from the PCUR on on the you know 1.17 million adverse events and and a third of them being serious and the women and uh, uh, you know people without the um, without comorbidities and 23% weren't, weren't resolved. And then you have that they knew half the women experienced menstrual disorders. Then we have the 20 out of 26 pregnancies observed. Um, in the in the Pfizer trial were either you know problematic or or ended in miscarriage and then obviously the fourth data point is from the Pfizer document with the shocking amount of observed problems in pregnant women in lactation and the transmitting through the placenta through the breast milk kind of a summation of the four points I think you've made so far again this is either Pfizer's document and, or or the European Medicines Agency working with being, yeah. uh, uh, you know, BioNTech, and this jives, jives with the macroepidemiological data of the timing of the, you know, birth declines and miscarriages and all the other surveys and reports and fairs and, bo- I mean, and, and we're still at square zero with, with, um, with investigations. And before you go on, Sonia, I would just say my punchline here is that too many people, even allies of mine, I think they're like, there's a lot going on in the world. Biden is ending all the um, mandates. So the emergency is over. They did some wrong thing. They did some wrongful behavior, but they don't desire to look into it. It's not a matter of a one-off. What you're describing is a paradigm shift that is still with us, that they are now okay with openly seeing tremendous amount of problems even for people where there's a dubious or zero or negative rationale to pursue the vaccination to begin with, and they are okay with it, they will approve it, they will continue it for pregnant people, for, for pregnant women, for lactating women, everyone, and they're going to do this. They are doing this with RSV, with every other thing in the pipeline. I mean, this is just unreal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I just wanted to mention, even I think now, even the update, like as of now, if you look at the FDA's packing insert for, for community, it says it's unknown if the vaccine is excreted uh, in the breast milk <laughs> to this day. And, and they say it's not known. I mean, they still sort of, but then you have the CDC, obviously, from spring 2021, really pushing it. And that, I mean, health authorities around the world, we had the NHS in the UK, they were actively promoting it. It's totally safe. It's safe and effective for pregnant women, lactating women, when the data was telling a completely different story. And they went with a lie of a complete misleading the public, oh, it just stays in your arm. No, it doesn't. It crosses the placenta. 
It goes via, yeah. it gets excreted in the breast milk. It, and, it's, and if it was unknown, that in itself violates the Nuremberg Code. But it's worse than that. But they openly admit at least it's unknown. And again, even, you know, obviously they mandated certainly on women um, who, uh, you know, worked in healthcare settings, certainly were under the gun for that. But even now, I mean, most OBGs, they really, really work them over and pressure them. And obviously, yeah. all of these ignoramuses who call themselves MDs are, are just completely uh, unaware of all of this data, and they don't want to be educated. We only have a few more minutes, so I want to go to maybe point number five. I, I saw you mention something, and I, I, I forgot where this is, if you can enlighten us, about deafness. I haven't talked about that a lot, about how it affects your ears. Yes. Well, I mean, actually, yes, it is one of the signals and it's actually quite uh, the, the, the report. I haven't it's not published. I haven't even finished writing it yet. But sensory. Um, so uh, hearing loss is one of the major signals in, in, uh, I'm looking at in the periodic safety update report for number three. That is the first six months of 2022. Um, so. We it, it it was a concern. It was there. It was happening. They were seeing. They were seeing the 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 red flags were going off. But I mean, you can imagine what the conclusion of that will be. It's always the same. It's like no 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 new safety uh, uh, signals here. Nothing nothing to report. It, it's just they identified it as a risk, as a potential risk, but they closed it. This is what I found in PSUR three. When we know it affects people's hearing, you get tinnitus. I mean, there's all any, a lot of things related yep, to even the, the Mayo Clinic admitted that that's very ubiquitous. There are thousands of reports in uh, in various for, for tinnitus, a ringing of yeah. the ears. And again, it's kind of like the equivalent of the menstrual irregularities with pregnancy. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it will lead to miscarriages, but I mean, it's like seeing a bunch of smoke and, and it turns the preca precautionary principle upside down you have to assume it does until you rule out that it doesn't same thing here with tinnitus and 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 deafness and um yeah i i also just wanted to mention this is going back to psur number one though when i looked at deaths because we know there was about five over five thousand deaths and guess what the number one cause now the autopsy results were only done for a fraction so i think out of over five thousand i'm just going through my um we have um it's just, I think, like 180-odd autopsy reports were done. And the number one cause of death, yeah, this is it, the number one cause of death, so 189 autopsy cases, out of over the over 5,000, we only have got 189 reports, the number one cause of death we have is pulmonary embolism. Um, and it's really interesting because they they – they they rule it out like it's not got nothing to do with the vaccine, but we have we know in the summer of 2021 the FDA did release a report where they linked the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine to four new adverse events of special yeah. interest, yeah. and guess what? One of those was pulmonary embolism in younger people too, who never get them, very rarely get them. They, but of course, they have to add as a caveat: there's no evidence of a, of a causal link. Um, but this this has been on their radar um, from from 2021. Um, and another one cause of death is COVID 19. So the one thing that the vaccine's supposed to protect <laughs> you from is the number one cause of death is COVID 19. And, and, and I would also point out, you know, um, in in the European Medicines Agency documents. And this jives with what we saw from Pfizer's own documents and from FOIA reports on um, jo Professor Josh Gutsko did this. Uh, the FOIA reports he he yeah. publicized on uh, CDC's contracts with uh, General Dynamics to run theirs, but they found that in the first three months of 2022. So we we already know that at the beginning, you know, January, February 2021, they were slammed with AEs. Um, yeah. But in the first three rounds of 2022, they had to onboard more than 2,700 contractor and vendor resources to deal with the increased volume of adverse event reports associated with the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. You see in Pfizer's own – so that – do you remember end of 2021 – 
I analyzed uh, Pfizer's cumulative uh, uh, post-authorization adverse event reports, um, end of 2021. In from, And uh, from that report, and that measured the first three months, it was December 2020 through to end of Feb 2021, for that three-month period, they had to onboard, they had to hire, I think, I don't know how many, 600 or 1,000 extra full-time employees just to go through, just to process the adverse event reports. I, it's, I, again, th- th- this is not like, oops, I burnt the toast type of thing where there's kind of one data point, one scientific um, you know, mechanism of action point that they missed. This was openly going on from the beginning of the trial and really yeah. likely long before, but we'll leave it at what we see here, the beginning of the trial through the beginning of the release of it to the public all along to this very day, they see a level of danger, and it's before we get into the negative efficacy and the rationale for the shot, a level of danger that is thousands of times beyond what we tolerate to even allow something to be on the market, much less promote it, much less mandate it, and it's still going on. And folks, all of what we have, notice, is all Pfizer. Moderna is a you know top secret. We barely have any information on, yeah. on that. And, and I'll just, you know, we'll sew it up with this, Sonia. I'm just going to quote one more thing I saw you put out that I think is very important um, from the EMA, November 2020. Okay, so this was pre-release. This was during the kind of end stages of, of, of phase yeah. three of the trial. They were already concerned, based on a document you found, yeah. they were concerned with Pfizer um, that they uh, triggering autoimmune diseases because yeah. to me, this is this is the 800-pound gorilla in the room when we talk about just the surface of, of immediate reactions versus long-term. Yeah. When you get to the long-term, what you're really worried about is the autoimmune, and that's what a lot of us are questioning about with maybe possibly historically with other vaccines and certainly the synergy of the amount of vaccines we're giving to kids that all of a sudden we have an endless amount of allergies, endless amount of autoimmune and, yes. you know, so they they raised this flag from day one. What, what, what did you find? And they wanted Pfizer to do an evaluation report to assess it because they, they, they knew that this was going to be a problem. This is from November 2020. And did Pfizer ever do that? We have no evidence they ever did that. Absolutely no evidence. Well, it's um, just like their, their myocard, their, uh, you know, uh, myocarditis uh, trial that they were going to do or, or study on on uh, preclinical or subclinical myocarditis, uh, just like the trial on pregnant women that, that yes. never to this day doesn't exist, it doesn't but it's exist. recommended. And I think this is the punchline that we need to understand. They are now okay through the front door with the following modus operandi. Catch me if you can. Meaning, in, in science, it's very hard to 100% ever prove or disprove something so mm-hmm. if you say that you have to 100 percent prove with the scientific method that it affirmatively causes each one of these things to this level until we'll even talk with you that flips the precautionary principle the nuremberg code upside down inside out and that is the new normal that is the new future framework that the FDA calls that is the new great reset that is warp speed that is um Pfizer's yeah. new uh Biden's new 5 billion next gen is the what they're calling warp speed the next iteration that's RSV it's all of it this is humanity at stake um I I wish I would have left more time for you but uh we'll have to do this again uh Sonia where could people find your next column that's going to drop on this yes yeah, so um it will be published uh, for Children's Health Defense Europe, and then I will I will probably release it on my Substack as well. Um, this is for PSUR number three for the first six months of 2022, and that is it's really damning data. You see all the similar patterns that you found in PSUR one, but it's I think it's even worse. Um, and and uh, it it's just yeah, it, it 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 these regulators just need to be dismantled start from scratch not get you know they they must not rely 
on funding from pharmaceutical industries, the very industry they're supposed to yeah. regulate. Or the taxpayer. The bottom yeah. line is, and this is what I'm going to push with the presidential candidates, with Congress, with state legislatures, the bottom line is I am all for expedited approval of things that the government does not participate in. But if the government is going to market something, fund it, distribute it, take a side, not just approve, but recommend it. And I'm not saying, you know, mandates because that should never be done. Um, and then indemnify them of liability. That is a totally different story. I mean, and that's really what we need. No subsidies, no indemnification. Uh, these are not fledgling industries that need help anymore. They're the biggest industries in the world. If yep. it's really safe and effective, you, you, you should not have to distort the market and accord them a degree of subsidy and indemnification that Toyota, uh, Honda do not have with their airbags, and they always have to recall them, uh, you know, for fear of lawsuits. This is unreal. Again, at Sonia underscore Elijah on Twitter, Sonia Elijah investigates. Thank you for your terrific uh, work. And folks, we're out of time. Thank you for listening. Send me your questions, comments, and concerns on this matter to Sonia at Daniel Horowitz at StartMail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 